Hello, therapists, non-therapists, and everyone in between. My name is Ian Hammonds, and I am painfully sober in honor of dry January, and this is Therapy on Tap. I'm here not having a drink with fellow Austin, Texas therapists, Patrick Harris and Hayden Lindsay, and our special guest, Savannah Stanley. This is the most authentic way we know how to talk about therapy in a relaxed, non-judgmental environment. So today we are talking about finding a therapist who is the right fit, which is a, I'm so pumped to talk about this topic, but before we dive in, Ian, stop right there. Savannah, what the fuck are you drinking? I need you to tell us right now. Yes. Tell us what you're drinking. Because I was silenced last time, the last episode, right? So so sorry about that. I I gotta (laughs) let y'all know because I was, um, I I heard all y'all say it. So, um, as of last episode, I was drinking, um, what was the whiskey? The oh, screwball. Yeah. Screw the screwball. With peanut a K. Butter. With a K. I was also drinking coffee and I was drinking a Austin East Ciders Blood Orange Cider, which is what I'm currently drinking. Delicious, sweet cider. It will, like, we, can't go wrong. We were recording an episode on feminism and, and so I'm so sorry that we we silenced you there. Thank you for mansplaining that, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> she fits right in. So, I'm joking. <laughs> Coming in hot. I was hoping to paint the illusion that this was a, a new day and we could all talk about new drinks and have new check-ins, but we just uh, <laughs> we just destroy that illusion. Also, fun fact, we'll be drunker than we were in the previous episode. Which I think is the next episode. <laughs> little little uh, podcast inside info. We recorded the next episode first. Previously. We call, we call that movie magic. Movie magic. Even though it's a podcast. So, so we're talking today about... Finding the right therapist. And so real simple, you just go to www.haydenmlindsay.com and uh, you should get all set up right there. (laughs) Everything you need. I'm kidding, obviously. How Um, is everyone? (laughs) We're going to check in, I think. We are. Are we? Is that that still happening? Are we checking in? Talk, Ian. God. Yeah. Let me talk. So, uh, yeah, I was I was silenced, and and, and now I need to no. Um, do, do, doing good today. I've never do, seen the side of Savannah. This makes yeah, me so what, love it. What is, what is going on? Like I'm, I'm sassy. No, um, empowered after empowered, that. Empowered. Yes, episode. after that. Yes, the last episode, which definitely didn't happen um, today. Um, so, uh, yeah, second cider, feeling pretty good, uh, and also. Um, whiskey and coffee yeah i'm feeling pretty awake and also f- feeling like I'm, I'm having a depressant right now so it feels pretty good yep feeling pretty woke woke yes mm. well i just uh um not that anyone asked I, I i'm i'm crawling my way out of a rabbit hole of uh sex toy research oh god here we go again <laughs> that's uh we'll call that foreshadowing for the next episode so um i learned a lot though yeah. a lot of Pegging goes back to 1906, at least. Is that when the the term was first coined? Uh, well, there there's a, a painting. If you go to Wikipedia, <laughs> let, me, let me pull this up. This is this is interesting enough that I I can. And while mar- you're looking that up, what, what is the etymology? Mar- uh, Mariah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I just Wikipedia Wikipedia. Okay, hold on. Wait, I just want to point out that in the time between these two episodes they're recording back to back, I think 14 out of the 15 minutes we spent planning, uh, Hayden dominated the conversation regarding sex toys and uh, their universal uses beyond just sexual pleasure. So I need well, a drink. I don't know. <laughs> One of the as a as a sex therapist, you know, you you kind of forget uh, what is socially appropriate. So here is. <laughs> A lithograph from 1906 by, uh, of course, it's a French guy, Edouard Henri Avril Levine. No, <laughs> no, really? it's just no. <laughs> um, and it's uh, dildo being used by two women is the the, the title. It's, it's lovely. It's a lovely. Um, so we're talking about finding. You are marketing yourself <laughs> really well today. I just have to say this is the uh, uh, okay. We'll, we'll Pornhub is not a scholarly, uh, <laughs> reputable website. Look. <laughs> okay, so Hayden is showing me his laptop that he has the uh, 
the application paintbrush open, and he has crudely drawn two stick <laughs> figures engaging in uh, coitus. From, from 1906. <laughs> it's actually a very pretty painting. Yeah, it's very. Uh, go, go to Wikipedia if you're listening. Our val- uh, valued listeners that include my mother and my <laughs> my, uh, my girlfriend. Um, yeah, go on to Wikipedia. Dot org. Really? Yeah. It's, it's I just an org. realized it's an organization. Oh, it a lot of my clients are going to be listening to this. <laughs> Well, they're going to want to know about the history of dildos. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever had these conversations where with like friends that are like, how do you turn it off as a therapist? Like, I've never really had that problem. I don't feel like I ever psychoanalyze like my friends or family. But I do realize that like taboo topics aren't really like as taboo. So when, when friends are like talking about their relationships and you inadvertently ask about their sex life and then you realize like, oh, this isn't a therapy session. Like, that's <laughs> that's not okay. Yeah. I, I've resisted outside of work to say, what's that like for you? <laughs> I just, it's not something I, I allow to leave my lips when I'm not being paid to ask that question. <laughs> well, speaking of strapping, uh, Patrick, you're a, you're a strapping young man. How are, how are you doing today? Nice <laughs> segue, Hayden. A- I, okay, so this is the second time I've ever seen he, uh, Ian blush. <laughs> And it's amazing, and I think part of it is just that he doesn't have the alcohol to take the edge off. I don't! He's only drinking water, and... I'm drinking water and juice. I've never realized... my life. ...that liquor just diminishes his filter, so now he actually has the capacity for shame. This is bizarre. Oh, he just... It is strange to see. Yeah. I'm crying. I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm good. I think I needed this. I I enjoyed the holidays. I enjoyed uh, seeing my family, but I have been deprived of social engagements, obviously, since we're still in a pandemic. And I don't know. I was a little disenchanted with the rollout of the vaccine because I learned that even if you get the vaccine, you can still contract the virus and spread the virus. You personally just have less symptoms. So I thought that there was like this glimmer of hope that I could get the virus and then go back to socializing, but that's obviously not the case. So I'm getting my social fill in now and this makes me so happy and fulfilled. So I'm glad to uh, be sharing this time with all of you. Me too. Did y'all know just random fact that uh, people who take melatonin every night before they go to bed are (sighs) okay. Maybe it's not a fact. It it was a, a statistic that I heard. It's like something like, there's a, a correlation between a melatonin. Huge, correla- huge correlation between melatonin and um, not contracting COVID nineteen, as well as zinc and I think like O type blood. Interesting. And I peanut butter those. whiskey. <laughs> Positive and negative O type blood. I think so. Let's let's. So I think negative one. is uh, more rare. universal donor. It's a universal donor. Yes, it is. I believe I'm, I'm typo o negative. Positive. I'm, I'm, just, I'm o positive as well. I'm oh, just positive. kidding. I, just, Everyone here I don't know what so kind of blood type I am. I just like the band typo negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Type O blood had a lower risk for contracting the coronavirus. Wow. Oh, all right. All right. Um, Ian, how are you? Ian. <laughs> Way too sober for this shit. No, um, I'm I'm doing great actually. Um, no, it's I'm I'm good. I might have mentioned on the last episode, which will be next episode. Um, my dad's in town. It's good. We're you know we're in a good good solid place as far as like father and son goes. And he's actually currently right now hanging out with my fiance, which is I don't know. It's such a nice feeling. It's like oh, I can have you know a male partner and have a dad that like gets along with it like they they're hanging out right now doing guy stuff so um but Mm. i'm pretty at peace with that right now so very cool yeah the dads are back in town (laughs) i was like what's guy what's guy stuff guy stuff like oh they're bonding over jeeps and things like that and my mom owns isn't gender a social construct yeah ian where are you going with this yeah. Well, I wonder is is uh, is your partner holding the uh, the flashlight for your dad while you know trying to fix? Isn't there a meme? There's a meme out there that's like you, probably the flashlight. Yeah, yeah. that's probably pump. happening right now. They're probably like taking apart the Jeep and looking at Isn't it. Isn't it like and, brand new? Yeah. <laughs> <It is. laughs> Didn't you drive the Jeep here? Mm. So what are they looking at? Other oh Jeeps? shit! No, yeah, they're not doing Jeep stuff. They're they're doing like <laughs> anyway. Sorry. They wow. must be looking. At Miss Peacock's 
that undercarriage. Was, that was the well, yeah, that was the plan was for them to take apart the jeep, but I took the jeep. So they're, I don't know what the fuck they're, they're doing something guy related. That's all. all So we've said Jeep eight times now. Jeep, if you were listening and you were looking for sponsorship opportunities, (laughs) isn't Jeep still the brand that holds the most resale value of the vehicles? Or is that Subaru now? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really much of a, I'm not into the Jeep cult really like a lot of people are in Austin, but that's neither here nor there. Do you wait, don't, don't Jeep drivers wave at other Jeep drivers? Isn't that they a thing? Do. They do. The they Jeep waves. The, the peace sign as their, their hands are on the wheel. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> Way too extroverted for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's my check-in. Doing great at peace with the fact that my dad and fiance are just getting on pretty well today. So. Do you feel like that jeepens their relationship? <laughs> I see what you did there. Jeepers Creepers, that's good news, Ian. (laughs) Thank you. All right, today we are talking about finding a therapist. Finding a therapist and (laughs) finding a therapist and whether or not they're a good fit. So the first thing that I kind of wanted to just throw in is we encourage clients to find the right fit. Really. We 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 I literally tell my clients, like, if you, if I'm one of like three or four therapists that you're meeting with, like if it's on an intake, if it's the first session that I have with them, I, I encourage, I'm just like, you need, if I'm not the right fit for you, like, I will be happy to find you like three, four references that will be like, I, I want clients to have their own autonomy and I want zero pressure for them to feel like they have to stick with me because they don't, that would be unethical. So what are y'all's, what's y'all's take on that? Well, I, I, I agree with you there. And, and, um, you know, sometimes people come to me and, uh, they, they just go, you know, I, I'm really looking for someone, you know, more, more fun loving and uh, a, li- a little less uh, uptight. And so I end up having to refer them because I am just, extremely by the book and very, very professional. And everyone's laughing at me right now. I was just saying, I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> this is a safe space, Hayden. It's, safe a, space. it's okay. No, I agree with you though. On the, on the, uh, every time I get an, an inquiry, I, I'm very careful, uh, to say, you know, I want you, uh, I am a big believer in therapeutic fit. Um, and, the research backs this up. I think there was a, a really great study done uh, a little while back that showed something like 70% of the uh, the benefits of therapy can be attributed to the relationship, not just the techniques or the theoretical orientation, but the, the, the fit. Yep. I would love to talk about that later. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. Just Yay. FYI. I'm glad you stayed. Fit. The therapeutic relationship in general and how much important to me personally that is um what's most important to me as opposed to what techniques are used which you know techniques do serve but like i don't know modeling relationships in the room (laughs) i would definitely have to say it's it's number one is therapeutic fit uh uh, on the things i like to talk about and number two is sky dildos (laughs) well middle class was fun (laughs) i I've made, especially like today, like today I had three clients, only one of which I got paid for because I've, I've started really emphasizing good fit in my last probably like two years of practicing that I don't want numbers. Like I want clients that I can actually help. So I I feel like I, I make an extra step and it's probably more work for myself in the long run, but it's worth the investment. So I'll do like a phone screening just to make sure that's within my scope of practice, something I can actually help them with. And then next I do like a free full 50 minute consultation appointment um, just so they can get a glimpse of what, how I work and see a little bit more what they want to work on. And yes, it's like taking time away from like paying clients, but at the same time, like I would much rather whittle it down to people that I can actually build that therapeutic alliance with than just filling a caseload. And something Hayden that you said with me has resonated with me. Um, uh-oh. When we were like in our first podcast meeting and we were looking at your ridiculous like 50 person a week schedule and you were saying that it's it's manageable because you only you're very selective with the clients that you work with. Right. Mm-hmm. And that really like the more I paid attention to the clients that I have, like the ones that I still feel refreshed after versus the ones I feel so drained after. And it's like pulling teeth to try to get these clients to talk. And it's like, OK, this is the importance of good fit. 
Absolutely. And I know like Savannah and I have the same employer and we had the option of clients can just add themselves to your schedule. And I've taken myself off of that because I don't like having this like, Oh, what's this client going to be like? Are, are you talking about booking? Yeah. Like I when I just they got a booking directly. today, I may need to turn that off again just cause, um, I became very uncomfortable with that cause the phone consultation totally fine with, yeah. cause we, we have the op- that opportunity to be like, okay, is this, person will that will they will they will we be a good fit because it's not just about like are they a good fit for me it's am i a good fit for them or yeah. are we gonna is is my style of therapy what they're what they're looking for right um but just kind of showing up and being like well <laughs> well i was gonna kind of I was going to kind of um, say this in a jokingly way. I'll just say what was on my mind initially since this is unfiltered. But I was going to say um, my practice uh, has a person that takes care of all the intakes. So. Wow. Brag. <laughs> Mine does um, too. It's Pen- Penelope. Anyway. Me. SNL. Oh, Penelope. Yeah. Okay. Penelope so, pit stop? No, Penelope from, Wacky from Races? SNL. Kristen Wiig. Anybody? Okay. Um, all right. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, but I, I was going to actually go into that because I've, I've seen – where having an intakes person like who just all they do is handle the client uh, client calls. I'm looking for this kind of therapist. I've seen that go really well, which is the practice that I'm at now, and I've seen that go horribly wrong. Um, so I, I didn't know what y'all's take was. If are y'all more apt to take someone that books or wants to book directly with you or reaches out to you guys like directly via email, or are y'all more comfortable having someone else? Or is it kind of just a combination of both? I'd much rather do it myself. Like, again, it's more work, but it's worth the investment because just because they're coming. So my one of my clinical strengths is mind-body medicine because that's what my PhD work is in. So naturally, I, I gravitate towards clients that have that that need, but that doesn't necessarily mean the personality fit is going to match just because that's their area that they want to expand on. And that's my area of expertise doesn't mean the personality wise that we're going to clash. And there's so much more subtlety of right fit with the therapist beyond just is their problem, something I can help them with. And in my notes, I to that actually, I know it kind of feels a bit odd, but when I say Karen question mark, um, I don't want a therapist. That's a Karen. Like I just, and there are tons of them. There are tons of I've Karen-y. known a lot of lovely Karen. Oh, you're talking about like the Karen type. Cl- <laughs> the the Karen Ooh, archetype. The Karen archetype. Shade. But that personality is interesting because so in, in another episode, I mentioned the toxic uh, virtual environment for therapists that we have to contend with and all these just gatekeepers and judgmental therapists. I'm wondering how much of that translates into the session because I've heard some wild shit from clients of like what their previous therapists used to say and do. Me and, too. Uh, it, it's just bizarre the audacities that and the hubris that some therapists have to just like flat out judge their clients, like not even like helpful information, not even clinically based. It's just flat out judgmental feedback that they've provided clients with. One of my favorite um, intake questions is, um, uh, you know, just to make sure. I guess I'm not repeating anything. It's like, oh, okay, how is you know, therapy helped you in the past or like what, what is, you know, uh, what has experience. been helpful? Yeah. Their experience. And like, uh, and then they'll say things. I'm just like, Oh, okay. Well that <laughs> I, I honestly can't believe that this person is in the profession and saying that and being, um, you know, judgmental towards you or, or, you know, having these certain things. It's like, you have a license. You went to graduate school. You should know a little better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop dropping the shade right now. Yeah, therapist therapy has definitely changed over the past twenty years dramatically. Really, it has. Um, I just, I just, I think of some horror stories of people that I know, like even friends of mine who've actually told me like what they've experienced with therapists. Um, so yeah, there probably are, why the success rate for, for therapy is fifty percent because mm-hmm. there's just so many dildos out there not knowing what they're doing. Oh God, dildos coming back up. <laughs> in the sky. Can we talk dildos about in the- <laughs> dildos in the sky? But I, I, if I were to give any, you know, nugget of advice to someone looking for a therapist, it, it would be: What is it like to like? What What do you? What is the? How does that make you feel? What is the feeling? <laughs> Uh, whether you sit in the room with them or you're you're on the phone with them, do you feel heard? Do you feel hopeful? Do you feel uh, like you could, your body can kind of relax a little bit? Like what is the 
the embodied feeling that you have uh, sitting with me or sitting with uh, a professional. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd be curious if y'all have any uh, any other thoughts on, you know, if you had to give one one little pearl of, this is totally unscripted, one little pearl of advice to people looking for a therapist, what would it be? Besides going to HaydenLindsay.com. <laughs> so this is an aside, but I couldn't get HaydenLindsay.com because there was a kid in Illinois who was uh, uh, trying to be recruited by a baseball team, and we have the same name, and uh, um, HaydenLindsay.com was his uh, highlight reel. So um, I recently checked the domain, and it's available again, so... Um, I, I hope more. I just bought it. I hope. Damn it! <laughs> ah, two hundred k. It's yours, Hayden. I hope you got recruited by a uh, a wonderful baseball team, and uh, give me my domain. <laughs> I think advice is just know that you have a choice because I feel like sometimes it doesn't. Well, one, <clears throat> and I'm sure we'll get into this later in the episode, but the obstacles of finding a therapist are are pretty intense. So you have to decide first off if you want to do out of pocket or if you want to do insurance, like if you have insurance and you got to find a therapist that accepts your insurance. And a lot of times if you do these like online directories, they're not even accepting your insurance anymore. They hadn't accepted it for like two years and that's disheartening. Or you can even call, let's just say you have uh, green cross green shield and uh, you call them and you ask them for a list of 10 therapists. They'll give you a list of 10 therapists. Eight of those might not even be accepting Green Cross Green yep. Shield anymore. So then that's really disheartening. And then so by the time you finally get somebody that's going to answer the phone and do an intake appointment, then you're you're so disenchanted by the whole operation that you're just going to accept them because it's just easier than going through all of that again. But it's worth the investment of your time as a client as well to find somebody and you do have a choice. It's not like a doctor that you're just kind of like stuck with. Like you can shop around and find a good fit for you. So don't feel that the first person that you sit down in front of is the right fit just out of convenience. Like make sure that you're doing your due diligence to find somebody that really fits. I just, as as someone who does therapy and someone who is in therapy actively, I need to feel safe. <laughs> like honestly, like hundred percent as a gay man. I do not want a Karen as a therapist. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I don't want you secretly like going home and like, you know, saying homophobic things about me to your, your, you know, whoever to your five cats or whatever. No <laughs> offense to, to any cat ladies out there. You're not, not all cat ladies are Karens, but you get, I mean, you get my drift. I just, I don't, I, I want to feel like you are, you have my best um, interest at heart. I was thinking Savannah, about- I want to ask your opinion. Go ahead. Th- thank you, Hayden. I appreciate you. Here, asking. let me take this, Savannah. So <laughs> yeah. Savannah okay. feels that uh, she- this is a, he's going to explain. Uh, Patrick, stop mansplaining uh, straights. Uh, and and um, uh, and uh, so I feel so. So um, there's something to be said about because um, when you mentioned that, uh, something that came up for me was. Um, uh, you know, you'll have you'll have the the Karens if we're going to call them the Karen archetype. Um, they'll put on their website they'll put on whatever oh i'm i'm lgbtqia plus affirming we're good we're we're here for it um and then of course those homophobic or those heteronormative statements right Mm -hmm. um and uh so people can put like anything or any kind of specialty on there um and so what what you need well, I don't know. I don't <laughs> listen. I don't. I don't know what you need to do. A little bit of research, I guess. I don't know. Like <laughs> a little bit of research, and just don't be an asshole. <laughs> like seriously, don't be homophobic or racist or internalized misogynist. Just don't be any of those things to be a therapist. I don't know why. I yeah. I I could go on a rant, but Hayden and I went to school with some mini Karens. <laughs> I'll say that if you remember like from small in stature, like mini M I N. No, like just they were gonna grow up by the time that they got to be middle aged, they'd be they'd be Karen incarnate. Okay, that's so, some tea right there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like the things that I would hear some of these people say would it, it would just be like you. I don't understand how you how you want to be a therapist and be successful, which is weird because we're called to be non judgmental, but <laughs> so much like judgment. But that goes back to like authenticity. Like just be your authentic self. Like if, if you're going to 
have these very hardened specific like points of view like i don't know go work and do say yeah where the fuck ever or i mean there's plenty of like christian yes. foundations or clinics or whatever where like none of these will be curveballs it's just kind of expected uh, but i remember i've been trying to think back of like problematic therapists that i've had and i've never had like a super negative experience i've definitely had like bad fit therapists that i've seen but in a previous episode, I talked about like my past trauma with uh, being in a mass shooting in Waco and all of the the fallout mm. and trauma and, and whatnot. But one of the first therapists that I saw after that, I was still in grad school at the time at St. Edwards uh, here in Austin. And so I was a broke grad student. So I went to our counseling center there mm. and saw one of the psychologists there. And I guess because of what the context that I was talking about, like being a biker, getting shot at and all this stuff. He felt that like he had to appeal to me, even though that's my life, but that's not my lifestyle. Like I don't like drink beer and get in bar fights and do all that, that, that crap. But like he was just like this nerdy skinny white guy. And then he just started cussing excessively and it felt like forced. Like, have you ever, <laughs> like I think he was just trying to like have this like bad boy persona to like appeal to me because that was his perceived image of me. And it didn't feel authentic. Did it? It did not. It was just so fucking like, it was so cringy <laughs> for him. It's like, what are you doing? It's like a kid mm. that first learns how to cuss, but they don't know how to do it appropriately. So they just like insert cuss words in like weird places that, that, <laughs> created like, such a barrier it's fine if you have a different background than your clients like yeah. obviously we're all different we're all from different places we're all from different backgrounds we all have different experiences but don't over identify you know and, and be curious because what he could have done in that yes ins- i say could have done in that instance is ask about your experience yeah right exactly yeah be that's exactly be curious don't don't just automatically assume that you know everything about your client's reality because you don't show curiosity, give your, your clients that space. Well, Patrick, h- how the fuck did that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking tell you right now, Hayden. I do cuss a lot with clients. Do y'all cuss a lot? Same fucking time next so week. Much clients. I cuss. I actually ask him, I say, is it okay if I do? Cause like I, I encourage y'all That's to. Good. That's yeah. my favorite intake question yeah. is <laughs> what is your comfort level with cursing? I love that. Curse? Cuss? I might actually... Do you call it... Curse or cuss. Either one. Curse or cuss? I wonder if it's a regional thing. I don't know. Blasphemy! Alexa. (laughs) I remember one time one of my my clients, like... I I think it was like two or three sessions in, they were like, yeah, that shit right there. Oh, can I say that here? That happens to me all the time. (laughs) People think. Yeah, with younger... younger, um, I think I I had a younger male. He was like 21, and he was like, is it okay if I talk about sex in here? I was like, yes. That's part. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. Like, I just, when people, I think there was actually a client that literally said like, um, pardon my French duty head or something. <laughs> and like, he was super serious. He was like, he's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to cuss. I'm going to call this person a duty head. Cause that's how I feel. This comes back to fit for me. And if you're kind I'm just of kidding, that never happened. You're, you're, <laughs> If you're, if you're making notes at home and you want to know, uh, you know, uh, how, how do you find a good fit? You know, you first go to HaydenLindsay.com, uh, forthcoming because that kid from Illinois, God, I, I hope you're on a baseball team now. Um, after you go to HaydenLindsay.com, you, uh, you know, I want to know how, how, how do you feel sitting with that person? And then do they curse? That's all I've got so far. <laughs> but I mean, also, if you find a, cl- uh, a therapist that curses and you're not a fan of cursing, don't feel like you have to accept that either. Like, yes, that's what where I was going with that. <laughs> you can establish that boundary. So maybe don't go to HaydenLindsay.com. Then. <laughs> I get the feeling you curse, Hayden. <laughs> but even before fit, so let's, let's take even a step further back. Like, what is step one? So you identify now is the time for counseling. W- what is your first step? Like, what? If like thought experiment right now, like if we, the four of us with four different backgrounds and employers, uh, well, two of us, like what, what would be your first process? Like we don't have EAPs. Would you just hop on Google? What would be y'all's preferred method? Well, this, uh, uh um, you know, we had a Hayden Lindsay.com Hayden Lindsay.com. Um, it was a toss up between that or a dildo story. So. <laughs> got two speeds today. <laughs> Well, one of our uh, adoring fans, uh, 
Sarah B, you know. Love her. I love her too. Um, she was kind of asking our opinion about or asking us to kind of explore the online directories, which um, are essentially the white pages of therapists. Um, and even as I'm saying white pages, that just sounds so monolithic and <laughs> but uh so the 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 directories are where uh, a lot of people start and there are some some pros and cons to starting with uh with those directories um i have personally really wanted to kind of reach people before they start looking so uh you know if you're looking in a directory you're you're really ready to you're ready to book and i i really want you to get to know me um if at all possible before you're ready to book when you're like and kind of in that what we call the uh the pre-contemplation or contemplation phase okay bill miller god yeah yeah bill miller barbecue not a sponsor yet. yet but so okay so let's expand on that the those what did you call them? Directories. Sky dildos. It's interesting how many pop up. And I know as a therapist wanting to promote myself or make myself more accessible to clients, like they seem like an intuitive decision to pull the trigger on. Does the lay person that's not affiliated with mental health or therapy know to check those, those lists? Like, do they even know that anything other than psychology today exists? Do they even know how to access um, databases other than just like Google? like Googling or calling their insurance company because they seem really cool. And like a lot of them are highly customizable or very like specific. Um, but does the average person know that they even exist? And Sarah here wants us to, uh, make sure that, uh, we, we say that there are non problematic directories. Cough. The therapist? Cough. Not psychology today. I was gonna say inclusive therapist is one of the, is one of the ones I'm I'm not currently on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are the therapy den? Therapy den. Therapy den. I've had some good good luck with therapy den actually. Mm. Um, and I mean also to like um, Facebook Austin. I mean obviously there's referrals Austin Mental Health, but that's only for therapists. But that's where we go to like find the right therapist. Like if we don't feel like, I mean, it just, it exists. If we have a client or we know someone looking for someone, there's this huge Facebook group that we go to that's like looking for therapists that specializes in this and has purple cross, purple shield. <laughs> so, <laughs> Have you all gotten those like weird solicitation emails? It's like, I'm creating this new platform for therapists to be yes. connected with clients. And it's like a dating app Fuck for therapists. Off. and. Uh, we'd love to be on the ground floor. Dude, and it's like, um, I'm a representative of something, something, something. We think you make a great band, a brand ambassador. I haven't gotten that. I haven't gotten the scam email I I, or scam. call. I just like, I don't feel like a real, I don't feel like <laughs> I made it yet. Until you've been harassed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mr. Solo Practitioner. Next topic that we want to talk about in relation to finding a therapist that's the right fit Um even saying that out loud is kind of self-explanatory to this because I, I know a lot of my clients personality wise are very similar to me. Like just for example, I am very much an introvert <clears throat> and I've What's noticed it? that yes, I'm very much an introvert. No, really? Yes. Yes. Very much so. Do you okay. ha- are y'all being serious or yes. <laughs> what really? is happening? Yeah. I'm very much an introvert. If what I don't get sobriety has done to you. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't get one day of just being by myself the whole day, I'm an absolute mess the rest of the week. I, I like that we're evolving and we're seeing that the world is not black and white and that introversion and extroversion are on a spectrum rather than just only fitting into I'm either an introvert or an extrovert because I guess that put, puts it into context. So I would consider you an extroverted introvert mm. rather an than... ambervert, if you will. Ambervert. Yeah. Is, that what, is that the term? I think so, yeah. Ambervert. Sounds like a dinosaur. Brene Brown is a proud introvert, and she's done TED Talks and See, but that's interviews. different because you are presenting in front of an audience. Yeah. I don't know. I just, 
I've always identified as just very, very reserved and very kind of, I'm more of the observer rather than the participant. If an introvert is the person that gains their energy from being by themselves versus the extrovert being the person that gains their energy being around Mm -hmm. people. Yes. Um, and then the ambiverts fall somewhere in the middle. Yes. But what's interesting is I consider myself an extrovert, but I don't get recharged from clients. Or before COVID, I used to do these like speaking gigs and workshops and keynote stuff. Like getting in front of an audience doesn't recharge me. Like being around people in like social settings does, but I don't classify that as like a social setting. So there was times like early on in my career where like I'd have to put on my professional face for like six clients and then I'd come home and just like act like a child that just got out of school and like required so much attention because I had to like put my own <laughs> needs on pause and be professional for six hours and now it's like me time. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like I, you're, I get, you're so fascinated yeah. by the fact that I am an introvert. <laughs> I guess I just really am good at lying about it. So I I feel like I get... I, I do get recharged by my clients, which is a funny thing to say out loud. It's like, it's you know, amazing. I'm, I'm coming off of a 10 day vacation Jeez. and I'm like, <laughs> I miss my people. <laughs> I will say that even as much as it is, as much energy as it takes for me to see seven, eight people a day, um, brag when no. <laughs> When, when I'm out of town or when I take an extended period of time off, like just as an example, uh, last year before the world shut down, I was in Destin. Um, well, not last year, 2019. I was summer of 2019. I was in Destin and um, my friend, it was just, it was a week long vacation. My friend was telling me um, just about a very traumatic experience. And I just remember like laying on the beach going, Oh, I miss work. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I definitely I miss. Wait, I so miss... you stopped listening to them about the traumatic experience, and then you made it about you? Is that what you're saying? No, I just inter- <laughs> internally. Like, cool Patrick, story, bro, but I miss I work. Oh lord, <laughs> <laughs> y'all making me look bad today. Okay, <laughs> you know what? It, you know, it's funny. This is a, a quick aside, but like I do realize like when I'm away from work and I'm with like family or friends, it's really hard to not like. I don't know. I see not like that. I see my clients like my children, but like I want to yes. celebrate their their progress and their achievements. And it's hard not to brag or um, like boast about like, oh my gosh, I had this client that just like knocked it out of the park this week and they did all this. Like obviously for mm-hmm. HIPAA reasons, you don't want to say all of that information. But it's like that. That to me is the hardest part. Like I get super fucking excited for my clients' like progress, and it's hard to keep that to myself. Yeah, and you feel like you want to share it with somebody else. Um, I'll say something that I started doing. I don't know if this this is helpful at all, but like, I have I started a trophy journal of, you know, progress that the clients have made that I feel really happy oh, about. That's right? Or, right? Or that I'm sorry. That, that's amazing. <laughs> sorry. Oh wow. Um, or, or or certain things that I did that a client will say like, um, I, I keep logs of like, uh, this client said that the sessions with me have been really helpful or things that kind of just boost my own confidence, but also seeing the progress in them that of course they did all on their own. Cause I'm, 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 I'm all about empowering, mm-hmm. but like the fact that like, you know, we all suffer from imposter syndrome just occasionally like every, every, um, like couple, couple days or no, so. That's so every, uh, right. If I'm awake, I'm you're, in the imposter. Syndrome. Right. <laughs> so. As you listen to the audio that we recorded earlier, you're just like, <laughs> I sound so stupid. I'm like, no, you don't, Patrick. You sound fine. I um, love the idea of a trophy journal. That, me too. That so I'm going to steal that, actually. In fact, it's I have just, one of my clients um, made, uh, it has been suffering some, with some pretty intense depression right now. And in, in a sleepless night, they created this just like beautiful poem that they then also illustrated and converted like their handwritten text into print text and made it. And like for HIPAA reasons, obviously I can't share it with you guys, but they it's been open on my browser since they've shared it with me. And it's just like this, this beautiful thing that they've created. And all I want to do is like show the world and I can't, but I like the idea of a trophy journal to be able to like capture these moments. Um, So perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you put their name and, and social security numbers in this journal, right? <laughs> like literally every piece of information about them I know. No, no, all, all completely uh, um, unidentified, disidentified. Do you take the, no names? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just initial it, maybe you. Um, yeah, but I think something that's coming up for me as we all kind of sit here and talk about it is 
the clients, I mean, all of us are in private practice and not everyone in mental health has that privilege, I think, of being in private practice, being able to choose your clients. But I will say I want to kind of relish this moment of the fact that all of us are literally keeping journals of their clients' progress and thinking about their clients when they're out of, you know, off work. Um, it's like we really, we have a really nice privilege of being able to pick and choose our clients. And I think our clients see that when they seek us out, when they stick with us, when they see how much they love, we love our jobs. They want to stick with that, I feel like. And that's, that's a big part. Don't find a therapist. If you're out there and you're listening to this, and you find a therapist and they just seem very checked out or they seem like they're just not participating in it. Don't stick with them. Yeah. Don't them. stick with them because your, your work is going to suffer because right. of that. In grad school, and I think right before we just started recording, um, all four of us um, in grad school as therapists... Were drank cr- beer. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I drank no beer. I drank wine. All four of us were encouraged to pick one theoretical orientation. So for non-therapists out there, this basically means you have to pick a theory in counseling that has empirical evidence behind it and it can, you know, potentially hold up in court. It looks great on paper to only pick one kind of counseling, but in reality, not every client is going to respond well to like let's say just for instance, emotion-focused couples therapy. That's what I do primarily, but I know that it doesn't work for every single couple out there. It doesn't. Um, So basically for, to expect us to just choose one kind of therapy, whether it's couples therapy, individual therapy, family therapy, it's to me, our clients are not monoliths. And I think it's, it varies from person to person, from client to client, every single person that goes in there. Um, I I I just know like I ooh, excuse me. <laughs> sorry. Nope, we're leaving that in. No, we are absolutely sorry. That, that in. was my phone nope, and my I'm dad's a- calling me. Um, I I I had one professor that that really encouraged one theoretical perspective and she even tried to like charm it up by saying it's like in harry potter where you put on the sorting cap and you decide what house you're going to go into it's like what theoretical perspective is going to resonate most with you but she i think she was the only professor that i remember that really emphasized one theoretical perspective um although i did have a supervisor when i worked with the local mental health authority that said that uh she automatically passes on um interviewees who say they practice from a an eclectic perspective because in her words they don't know what they're talking about and i was like the fuck are you talking about the word is integrative wow. now apparently you're not supposed to i said eclectic because that's like a dirty word now it's like yeah it's eclectic really? is yeah, a bad it, word yeah integ- integrative mm-hmm. integrative is probably more accurate because you want to integrate the perspectives but eclectic just shows that it, you're not tied to one specifically um, but no one is going to be a master of all but at the same time, you have to have a working knowledge of at least some of these to see, you know, if you're practicing from a person-centered perspective, then you should not <laughs> be just well-versed in one theoretical perspective. I guess if you work for one of those like very specific clinics, like there are, there is like the, the William Glasser Institute that only does like what re, uh, reality therapy or choice theory. And then some of these other ones that are very specific to that. So you know what you're getting into, but I feel like the average therapist should have a working knowledge of a variety yeah. of, you can have, you can have training and a bunch of different things and it's all okay. I, I was actually in my internship. There's a form of, of therapy called family systems or systemic therapy. That's I, I identify as that, but it's not my end all be all. But when I tell you my internship, they pounded it into my head that I had to be systems. And if I wasn't systemic, I was wrong. And I just, you know, as I've gotten older and more established in my practice, I've kind of realized like that shit doesn't work for everybody. Like it's, it's a client by client basis, case by case. So, well, I have a little bit of a narrative streak. And so we talk somewhat about the, the dominant discourses. And so it's, somewhat ironic to me that the uh the systems theory becomes a dominant discourse that uh marginalizes other <laughs> well 
it's it's a theory that's supposed to it, like twelve people got that joke. Okay, <laughs> Patrick was one of them. I I wasn't. Sorry, I'm just I'm just I, that's it's awakening a lot of just very aversive experiences I went through during training. It's like if you're not thinking systemically, you're thinking wrong, or um, you know, there you you have to not think linearly. And I'm like, isn't that a linear statement? <laughs> what you just said, like I don't know. It's just very. It's 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 ironic that. Um, Certain therapists think very black and white, or as we call in the, the community, if you're a purist, and that's the thing is there's no point in being that way. So Yeah, it's weird. So my PhD work is in mind-body medicine with a specific emphasis in integrated mental health, and like that has been pretty um, enlightening as far as knowing that mental health is a multifaceted, holistic approach. Like, <laughs> and the idea, like the notion of going back to just selecting one theory and running with it just blows my mind. And to know that there's uh, practitioners out there that that's their, their MO is, I don't know, frightening. It's not one size fits all. Absolutely not. So, so to bring back to, if you're choosing a therapist, how does this apply? I usually say something like, these are the things that I've been trained in. Um, I practice this kind of therapy, but I really like to build my sessions around my client's needs. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is, this is what we should be doing today. The sessions, these sessions, the space is all about you and what you feel comfortable in. And I even say, if I'm doing something that is making you feel uncomfortable or it's just not sitting well with you or not vibing, please tell me and I can switch gears. That's, that's how I would handle it. Ooh, I like that a lot. Thank you. I always feel bad when I'm, when I'm doing like a consultation appointment and I'm wrapping up and I'm like, well, do you have any questions for me about my background or approach? And they're like, no, but I probably should though. Right? Like what are some questions that people ask you? <laughs> it's like, I got honestly a really good friend of mine has been through some very negative uh, private practice experiences and the first, he's he's actually shopping for a therapist right now, and he has says, he been to HaydenLindsay.com? He's in Chicago, but he's he's he told me that um, one of the first things that he's going to ask his therapist is how is your boss treating you, mm. and when he said that, that just blew wow. my mind because I'm just like that makes so much sense. If your boss is not treating you well, or if you're getting underpaid, or if you're being overworked, you know you're not going to do well in your practice mm. at all. So I, yeah, that's, it's amazing. So that's, that hits home. I just left a practice where I did not have a good relationship with the owner and I just second guessed everything I did and felt like everything I was doing was wrong because of their management approach. Um, but that also makes me think of when I worked for the local mental health authority, going back to, um, autonomy and being person centered. I remember I was in a, a staff meeting, <clears throat> a staffing one time where we were staffing cases and a male clinician was staffing a case saying that uh, their client needs a female clinician. They've requested it specifically and they have a past trauma history. And the supervisor's response was, well, we have a shortage of clinicians. They don't really get a choice. This isn't a pick and choose thing. So they have to be stuck with you. And they're like, well, they're specifically requesting a female. It's like, yeah, but this is a good life lesson for them because what if they go to HEB and their cashier is a uh, a male, they don't get a choice of a female cashier. And I just remember sitting there thinking like, what the fuck is going on? Like you are a licensed therapist giving such misguided information. Mm -hmm. And they were a supervisor. Can we talk about problematic supervisor? Not right now, but (laughs) one day (laughs) on tap. Very soon. (laughs) (laughs) So what are our main takeaways? This episode has been so beautiful and amazing. And I'm, I've really enjoyed the, just the, the flow of today. I just have to say but I, I want to hear y'all's takeaways, really, as we just have kind of spoken about the journey of finding a therapist. Just the that there's not one size fits all for mm-hmm. therapists, and it's um, people who say, "Okay, this is my theoretical orientation, and I'm not budging from it." There's something something to be said about like if if um, your orientation kind of informs it, but that's not all you do. You're like, okay, well maybe I'm uh, that, that eclectic, that integrative where you're like, okay, the CBT is maybe not working for this person. Maybe we can mm-hmm. uh, try another intervention and just, um, meeting the client where they are. Absolutely. I would even go, uh, it, it's okay to be a purist as long as you are upfront about that. 
and th- yes. this is what I do, and this is not the only way to do it. But this is this is what I have to offer you. Right. To not leave your clients in the dark, really, right. as they're kind of taking that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And then I, I come back to the body feeling, you know, being kind of somatically informed. What what does it feel like in my body to do, do I feel safe with this person? Do I feel um, like I can I can relax a little bit? And I, and I think the uh, the process of therapy is sort of uncomfortable by definition, and, and so some discomfort is okay, but. Uh, a lack of safety is not, and I, I'm always distinguishing be- between those things. Big difference between I feel uncomfortable right now and I don't feel safe right now. Mm-hmm. Patrick? Um, I would say my biggest takeaway is trusting your intuition. So even if you are brand new to counseling, you have no background, you have no frame of reference, you don't even know what the word theoretical perspective means. Uh, just trust your gut. If you sit down across from somebody and you're not getting good vibes, then you don't have to continue with that person. Like it's worth the investment of time to shop around and find somebody that makes you feel good. Conversation flows naturally. Uh, don't worry about, Oh my gosh, this person's expensive and they have all these degrees on their wall. They probably know what they're talking about. They're going to be the best fit because chances are they're not because research shows fit is about that relationship, not about what's on the wall, not about what's in their head. It's trusting your gut and going with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I want to echo, I think all three of what you guys said, really, it just, you know, therapy is such a kind of, it really is a weird process. I mean, if you really think about it, it's, it's two people. It's really weird. It's weird. It's fucking awkward and And I love it. Scary. And I love it too. But um, you know, I hope that this has, if, if there's someone listening that, um, is kind of on the fence, you know, about starting, starting to, uh, to see a therapist or if they're, you know, just really, they're scared to really kind of take that giant leap. I just want to know that any therapist that you meet is human, just like you. We put on our britches just like you do. So don't be afraid to just put your feet to the fire and just really kind of go for it. Go find someone that just really makes you feel safe. That is it for today, guys. Thank you all so much. This has been amazing. And thank you all, audience, for listening. To get in touch with any of us, whether you want to have conversations about therapy or whether you are in Texas and you want to become our clients, please see the show notes where you can find the best ways to reach us. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are enjoying the show. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. (laughs) HaydenLindsay.com. What was that? <laughs>